And then one Thursday, nearly 2,000 years after one man had been nailed to a tree for saying how great it would be to be nice to people for a change, a girl sitting on her own in a small cafe in Rickmansworth suddenly realized what it was that had been going wrong all this time. And she finally knew how the world could be made a good and happy place. This time it was right. It would work. And no one would have to get nailed to anything. Sadly, however, before she could get to a phone to tell anyone about it, a terrible, stupid catastrophe occurred, and the idea was lost forever. This is not her story, but it is a story of that terrible, stupid catastrophe and some of its consequences. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Lit to Lens podcast, a safe place for folks who like the book better than the movie. I'm with born-again Halo enthusiast, father to a gorgeous golden retriever named Griffey, and former first-team All-State first baseman for the great state of Virginia, Eric. Eric, how are you? That was a, a rousing introduction. I appreciate it. I had to bring you up. I will always be the first-team All-State first baseman, circa 2009. So, so it's not former. Well, I'm not current. I got, I don't know. Do you lose your title? I guess you do. I don't know. You would know. You're the expert. You know, I don't know. <laughs> it's uh, probably forever. I am. I'm. I'm well, considering the the moment that we're yeah. currently living in. Mm-hmm. I would say don't panic. Don't panic, people. Actually, ties in with our reading for today. Well, where we are discussing Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. This is our third episode of season five. Third ep. Classic sci-fi. Well, the title of the book is The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. The author is Douglas Adams. The published date was 1979. It was originally based on a radio series published on the BBC beginning in 1978. Um, the movie is directed by Garth Jennings, uh, written by Douglas Adams post- posthumously. 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 Um, and then as well by Carrie Kirkpatrick. And then the film stars Martin Freeman, Mos Def, Sam Rockwell, among others, and the release date was April 29th, 2005. Most deaf. Most deaf. Eric, give us a little recap. Most definitely. Well, thank you. Um, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is the story of Arthur Dent, an Earthman living in England. One day he's rescued from the planet by his friend Ford Prefect, very British, an alien <laughs> researcher for the titular travel guide. Um, they shack up on a Vogon spaceship, uh, Vogon is an alien race, for a time before they are thrown out into deep space. They are subsequently rescued by Zafod Brebel or Bebrel Box. I can't say this <laughs> name for my life. Um, who is the president of the galaxy. Uh, they're also rescued by the depressed robot Marvin and another human named Trillian. The crew then sets out to look for the legendary planet Magaretha, which was known for selling luxury planets. I think it's pronounced Magrathea. Magrathea. Thank you. No problem. My Britishisms are just not here today. <laughs> On Magrathea, they learn about a race of hyper-intelligent beings who created a supercomputer to answer the, quote, ultimate question to life, the universe, and everything. The answer is underwhelming. 42. The answer is 42, which is underwhelming to to some, you know. They asked it a question and gave them an answer. It was fine for me, honestly. Um, Because the answer was underwhelming, the computer offers to build an even greater computer to understand what the question was in the first place, not just the answer. That computer is revealed to be the Earth, which was five minutes away from providing the question when it was destroyed. The hyper-intelligent beings, revealed to be mice, try to buy Arthur's brain in hopes it contains the question. A fight ensues, our heroes escape, and they go to the restaurant at the end of the universe. It's a lot going on. It's takeout only now, though. Yeah, well, take out seriously, with coronavirus, which is spread past the Earth to everyone. Yes, in this book, yes. Is it? Yes. Yeah. But... It's a lot going on. There's a lot to unpack. It is quite uh, a unique book, a unique story, which we'll get into. But before we do that, we have a game. Two truths and one lie. Eric, are you ready? I'm ready. Do you know the rules? I do. You're going to tell me three statements. Two of them will be truths. One of them will be a fib. And I will wait until you read all of them. Please. And then give my (laughs) response. (laughs) Number one. Douglas Adams died of a stroke on May 11th, 2001. Number two, 
May 25th is known as, quote, Towel Day, where fans of Douglas Adams openly carry a towel with them in remembrance of the author and his work. Number three, plans to adapt the book in 1982 eventually turned into the film Ghostbusters. Eric. These are good. I think this is the best one of the season. <laughs> this is really good. Can you pick the lie? Well, the first one's dark. We're just guessing the author's death. Mm -hmm. But I'll allow it. The second one, Towel Day. May 25th? Mm -hmm. The third one is... Say the third one again. Plans to adapt the book in 1982 eventually turned into the film Ghostbusters. That's interesting. I can see a version where these are all true. Towel Day, I wonder... I wonder if May 25th is wrong. That's like 525. I would think Day would be easier if it was just April 2nd. You know, 42. But, oh, fair enough. Uh, I don't know. I'm going to say... I'm going to say the third one is a lie. I don't have a strong feeling about that, but I know that the Douglas Adams died before the movie came out. Right. And you told us the movie came out in April of yeah. 2005. Five. Wait, but so he died in 01. Oh, so he's way... Three. Interesting. I'm going to go with three. Three? No. The first one was a lie. Douglas Adams did die on May 11, 2001, but he died of a heart attack. So, way to do your research, Eric. Wow. How could you not know that he didn't die of a stroke and he died of a heart attack. It's awful. I don't do any research for this podcast. <laughs> I'll be, I'm very clear about that. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, so just a little tidbits. It was very cool when I read that they their fans came up with Towel Day on May 25th. So it was two weeks after he died that they decided to do this tradition that's been going on ever since 2001, so whatever it is, almost or 19 years. So what do they do? 19 years. They, if you're a fan of the book, you just walk around with a towel, I think. I don't know if they get together or not. They probably do. I'm sure there are groups that get For together. But a pint or six. Yeah. But if you see anybody walking around on May 25th with a towel... You know why. You know why. Okay. And then the... So the plans for the 82 film was... the There were three producers that came to Douglas Adams, and they all pitched uh, either Bill Murray or Dan Aykroyd to play um, Ford Prefect. Mm. Or was it... Yeah, Ford Prefect. And he was like, okay, great. And then I guess Dan Aykroyd actually pitched an alternate idea to the producers at the time when they came to him for this movie. And that was the original basis for Ghostbusters. So the producers decided to go with Dan Aykroyd and throw Douglas Adams to the side. That's pretty smart, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it made a hit film. It's been probably a hit film for whatever it is, 30 plus years. Yeah. So. 1984? Poor Douglas Adams. Two. He, well, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say he's fine, break. but. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's not. He's, not. <laughs> he's dead. But, uh, but yeah, so those were the, that's the game. You lost. Yep. I, I think I'm two for three this season now, so that's a... I feel like you're one for three. That doesn't sound right. Yeah. We'll, we'll look into the stats and yeah. get back to you guys. But before we go on to the book to movie adaptation, we're going to uh, take a quick commercial break and hear a word from our sponsor. I think you ought to know I'm feeling very depressed. Well... We have something that should take your mind off things. It won't work. I have an exceptionally large mind. Yeah, we know, but um, we need you to go down to the number two entry bay and pick up our stowaways and bring them up here. Just that. I won't enjoy it. Yeah, well, that's life. Life? Don't talk to me about life. And welcome back. We'd like to thank uh, our sponsors for that. Great message. Tide Pods, the lunch of quarantine. Don't eat them. The lunch of quarantine. I don't know. <laughs> Please don't eat them. I feel like if you ate them, then you'd be fine now, right? It's just like a... Does it clean your inside? Is that what happens? I think that's exactly how it works. It kills a virus. Yes, yeah. Whatever's in there is dying. It's going to die. Don't do this, yeah. people. Please don't. <laughs> so, Eric, you have been given the assignment of adapting this book. Where do you start? I start with humor, and then I get very worried. Um, the book is very funny. I think yep. we both agree on that. I saw your Goodreads review of it, and it said, ha-ha, very funny. <laughs> That's not what it said, but... It said uh, very, very funny. Yeah. Just to be clear. However, I, the humor, a lot of it, at least, is in the narration of the right. novel. Mm -hmm. um, and you can really see, I think, 
like we talked about up front that this was a radio play before. Yeah. And to me, that makes a lot of sense. You can totally see how this was translated from that. Mm -hmm. If I'm then translating that to a movie, I'm worried that all of the humor stuck in narration is going to have to be made into voiceover. Right. And that just creates like an entire voiceover heavy movie. Right. Right. Which nobody really wants, right? No. I think that doesn't always translate well. Yeah. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. I think it would be very heavy now, and I worry that I would lose a lot of that humor and I have to make it up in different ways. Right. Um, I do think that, yeah, like I was saying, there's a sort of a critical distaste for narration slash, like, voiceover work. Yeah. I do think it can work, and I think it was interesting to watch the movie and see how they played with it. Yeah. Uh, I think there are some movies that do it well. Like, I pulled up a clip here of The Informant. Um, I don't know if you remember The Informant, 2009, Matt Damon movie. Oh, there's narration of that? Yeah, he has sort of like a running mental log of random things. Just his thoughts. Yeah, just his thoughts. But I think narration work, or voiceover work, works when it's advancing character or if it's advancing something. Yeah. I think a lot of times you get voiceover work in movies that are just like literally telling you something that you could be shown. Right. Where it's like, oh, I see her in the dress looks so good it's almost like too obvious yeah right like you're telling us something that we should know by just like looking at your face right 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 so i I think finding a way to fold that narration into voiceover that like advances something or offers something instead of just like existing Mm -hmm. is like really important for this um adaptation secondly uh one of the big things i worry about is that the book like really doesn't have a central narrative I don't know if you felt this when you were reading it. It, to me, sort of read as a, like, scene after scene after scene after scene. It's like one fish getting swallowed by another fish getting swallowed by another fish. And we just, like, the book just ended. We're along for the ride. Yeah. Or, or, uh, what's his, Arthur Dent is along for the ride, essentially. Yeah. And that's his character. Obviously, he's, like, a total fish out of water. Mm -hmm. I'm really hitting the fish today. But he, uh, I had salmon for dinner. I think that's why. Actually, yeah. All those omega-3 fatties. Appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. (laughs) Um... I, I do think that his, like, fish-out-of-waterness makes it obvious for him to react to things that he's seeing. Like, right. oh, he's an Earthman who gets absorbed into outer space and mm. goes from spaceship to spaceship to spaceship, and that's, like, wild. Right. And I definitely understand, like, he needs to react and, like, gape at alien races and right. all that stuff. But I don't... I'm not, like, super clear on what the purpose of the book is other than just to have, like, a chapter and another chapter and another chapter that are clever and funny, but... What's, what are they ultimately serving? Wait, look, what's the story arc? What's a character arc? Like, he doesn't really change or adapt. He just goes through these weird experiences and doesn't really change, I guess, as a person. I mean, Yeah, in the book, not at all. Right. He didn't really right. have any flaws to begin with, I guess. He wasn't, like, a bad person. He's, like, a very normal guy. And it's just, like, whisked away into this new world that he had no idea about. Yeah. And then you're introduced to interesting characters along the way and things happen. But yeah, there's no real, like... What is he trying to do? Yeah. The ending isn't like, oh, he, you know, he got the girl or like, yeah. whatever. But, it, so, it, you, I mean, we'll get to this later. I, there are, like, seeds of a central narrative if you want to build it. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think there's the whole Trillion, mm-hmm. like, relationship that the movie really digs deep into. Mm-hmm. I think, to me, like, what I would have wanted to explore and what neither did explore was the idea of, like, the Earth's destruction. Right. Like, why would somebody blow up the Earth? I, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think they really got into that in the book. Or the, they didn't get in the movie at all. But, like, to me, that's the central narrative thrust. If I was going to adopt this, I would right. make it somewhat of a mystery. It would still be a comedy. But, like, right, right. why did someone blow up the Earth? Not, you know, someone blew up the Earth. We should find... Uh, why? Or who did it? Yeah. Well... I mean, it was blown up for the intergalactic highway or bypass or whatever. But that's fake. Right, it was like Zapod or whatever, Zapods. In the the movie, he signed something, but he's like, oh, I can't remember why I signed that. Yeah. But but it's like a supercomputer that's going to tell the question or give the question of everything, right? Right. Yeah. So I think exploring why someone would want to blow that up before, because it it was five minutes before he gave the question revealed yeah so to me that's interesting like let's yeah. figure out why you would not want that question to exist yeah because that to me there's something there right for sure um not just like we blew it up and now you feel bad about it 
yeah. and that's going to advance your. Is character. that part of the comedy though? It's like, it's it's almost like these enormous things happen, and it's for irrelevance. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, is that part of the comedic aspect to it? It's like we're doing this thing that's so egregious and horrifying. We're going to destroy the planet Earth and everyone on it, all life. But you know, we're like we're doing this over here, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah, but I guess, but ultimately, it is like important because the mice try to cut into Arthur's brain, bring it back, and figure out the question. They're mm-hmm. like, "Well, we don't have Earth, but we can." You're an Earth person, right? Let's cut into your brain, right? Why they didn't also cut into Trillian's brain, I don't know. Also, an Earth person, yeah. they're just like, "Yeah, you're fine." There's <laughs> is... two people they could have cut open, and they chose one of them. That's true. Yeah, it is kind of chaotic in the respect of like you don't really get everyone's clear motivations for doing things. Yeah, in the yeah in the book, it's a a bit cloudy so i think it's just like scene to scene to scene to scene i would i would start with like trying to lay a a central highway yeah, yeah. through it if you will that's pretty smart i like so <laughs> this should be a remake honestly yeah we should get into that in a little bit yeah. like i don't i don't understand how this happened like we just made one movie and it made money and then there was no second movie i don't understand that at yeah. all yeah and maybe it's it just a, a different just a different hollywood like 05 versus yeah 2020. maybe what was happening in 05 Oh, Brokeback Mountain. That was what. Oh, it crashed. Crash, yeah. Yeah. Different times. Pre pre Marvel, I guess, but yeah, I think they're always making stuff like that. Yeah. I don't know. Well, before we get into the next section, we have another game for you. It's called Guess the Review. So it's either going to be a review of the film or a review of the book, and you have to decide which one it is. And I'm not going to mess up this time. Listeners, okay. listeners, no. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Um, okay, number one. Quote, another classic. If you don't like this blank, you probably put your babble fish in the wrong hole. You are the reason that human beings are only the third most intelligent species on Earth behind mice and dolphins. So long, and thanks for all the fish. That's, I like that. That's a nice review. That's somebody that read and listened and paid attention. <laughs> Maybe. Number two. Quote, I'll never be able to figure out how they can turn words like, quote, go... And no, into two syllable words. All right, all right. <laughs> Number three. I feels like a shot at British people. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it might be. Number three. To look on the bright side, at least it's over. <laughs> and then number four. Quote. Mostly unnecessary. I like that. Part of it was necessary. Just the, most of it was not. <laughs> um. All right. The first one was the babble fish, which is the fish that they put in uh, Arthur's ear that allows him to translate any language. Right. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say that's book. I'm gonna say that's book. Um, number two was go and no into two syllable words. I'm gonna say this is movie. That just feels like a, a British. I don't like your British reading. I'm an American. I you know. Yeah. We we've worked hard to get rid of our accents. <laughs> In this, con- in this country, language. we no longer have accents. <laughs> Fuck off, huh? Uh, what was three? To look on the bright side, at least it's over. So the next two are negative. And then mostly necessary was the number four. Interesting. I'm going to say three is also movie and four is book. Thinking that four maybe is like mostly necessary. Like we had this radio play. It was pretty dope. Mm-hmm. Why'd you make it words? I can't, right. I can't read. <laughs> so... You got the first two right. The first one um, was by Tom, who rated it five stars on Goodreads. Nice. The second one um, was by Dan Marcucci and Nancy Ceruji from Bloomfield Enterprise. Comedy on the film. Okay. And number three and four you got wrong. So three was actually by somebody on Goodreads, two stars. I would pronounce the name, but I don't want to butcher it. Uh, and then number four was by Kevin A. Ranson of uh, MovieCrypt.com. Can I ask you, so number three, they turned no and go into th- two. Number two. But I got two right. Oh, okay. Never mind. What is, what is I was it? thinking that no and go into two syllable words was somebody that read it. I was like, well, you turn those into two syllable words right. in your mind. Right, right, right. No, that's Idiot. a movie. <laughs> I don't understand how they think that, though. It's like, no, yeah. oh, and it's not, nobody says that. No, it doesn't sound like that. Not at even all. British people. It doesn't sound like that at all. No, 
No. Go. Go. I think that person just has a hearing uh, disability. Yeah. Or maybe they need a babble fish to help out. Yeah, I think they do need a babble fish. Those British accents, they're so tricky. <laughs> they're tough. Um, Speaking all the same words that we are, but... No, a God. little more syllables involved, I guess. Yeah. Well, thank you, Eric. You did two for two, so that's probably a loss for you, I would say. Two for four. That's 50%. It's a, yeah, it's not great. It's a tie, but... Depends if I'm a student or if I'm, like, a, a, a like baseball player. Oh, yeah. If I'm two for four in baseball, that's pretty great. Yeah. Historically great, some would say. <laughs> if I'm a student, that's not good at all. Well, you were once a student and you were once... a a baseball player, so. Right. I only know two things. <laughs> School and hidden baseballs. Yeah, baby. Yeah. Two things you need to know in life. So before we go on to the next section where we discuss the movie to book adaptation, uh, we're going to take another quick commercial break. So listen in. <laughs> this is how it's all going to end, is it? Hey. <laughs> Me. Alone on a dead planet with a manically depressed robot. You think you've got problems? What are you supposed to do if you are a manically depressed robot? Welcome back. Thank you from that word from our sponsor. We appreciate it. Those Tide Pods, man. It's good. It's good for good your clothes. Last drop. Good for your clothes, not for <laughs> your <right>. stomach. <laughs> All right. So I can't believe people ate those. People are dumb. People are stupid. Yeah. All right. Get on to the next segment. <laughs> <laughs> Joke time. Do you want to go first, or do you want me to go first? You've been talking about your joke a lot, so... I, I've been I, hyping it up a lot. Yeah, let's hear it. It's, are you sure? Are you ready? D- say nothing but the joke. Okay. Don't get the people up, don't get them down. Just You're right. keep Just them medium. Keep them medium. Maybe medium rare. Alright. What tools do you need to make a disjointed and mediocre adaptation of A Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? depressed robot that's a very good answer (laughs) but the incorrect answer the answer is hammer and tongs do you get this reference i don't so hammer and tongs is a duo a british duo uh, of a producer and a director garth jennings and um the producer of the film i can't remember his name right now so the hammer is the director so they don't say who is who is he the it hasn't exactly So I think the hammer is the producer guy because he gets things done. And the tong guy picks things, right? He's a director. He, like, picks the mm. right. I don't know that I associate tongs with directing. If that's their artistic choice, then go for it. But, like, I think it's poor. Oh, it's definitely poor. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a cool, like, duo name, but it's just ill-suited for a hey, director. I'm producer. hammer. And I'm tongs. I'm, t- <laughs> I'm tongs. <laughs> What the fuck? Anyway, okay. It should be like Jason Statham and yeah, I'm Hammer. Roman. Roman uh, and I'm also Hammer. <laughs> I'm Hammer. I'm also Hammer. <laughs> I'm Ballpoint. You're uh, the other kind. All right, your turn. Ballpoint and what? The other kind. There's there's two kinds of hammers. Yeah, I'm on the spot. I can't think about. It. I don't know what Eric's talking about. Um, so here's my joke. Okay. We know that the answer to life, the universe, and everything is forty-two. However, we, as previously mentioned, don't know what the question is. Here are my top three guesses. Guess number three. How much wood could a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood in cubic meters? Number two. What is the appropriate temperature for a refrigerator? In degrees. That is a good question. And number one. At what age does middle age begin? Wow. That's a tough question. Yeah. But the answer is 42, just so you know. Wow. For all those? That was my, that was, that was <laughs> the joke, Will. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a little slow to the party here. Yeah. I feel like middle age. 42 degrees? That's so cold. I think that's actually kind of hot. Really? Yeah. I asked Alexa. Because the freezer is 32. I, freezer is 30? Yeah. Or I, maybe lower. I like. asked my Amazon device, uh-huh. and he or she said, the average temperature of a refrigerator is 37. Oh. But. I would say middle age, I would say that's pretty accurate. 42 probably is. Middle age. Yeah. It feels good. 41 feels like, no, I'm still, I still got my youth. Yeah. I'm just, I just barely scraped 40. 40 is not a year, right? You're turning 40, you are 40. It's like, ah, oh, well, you're 40. Yeah. You're still basically in your 30s. Right. 
you know, like the '90s really ended in 2001. So, for the third one, how much wood would a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood in cubic meters? Yeah. Is that answer 42? Yeah, 42 cubic <laughs> meters. <laughs> That's the limit. But meters like M E T R E S, not E R S, because we're in metas. Yeah, metas. Mes. Mes. Yeah, it's British. It's British. Yeah. <laughs> that was good. I like that. Thank you. All right. I, I took it as if I was uh, writing a joke for a, a, a late night show. Oh, okay. Good. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. good. For which one? Don't say Jimmy Fallon. I don't watch Jimmy Fallon. I watch Kimmel. Kimmel's good. And I listen to Stephen, or not Stephen Colbert's podcast, uh, Conan's podcast. Oh, is he have a good podcast? Yeah. Oh. Okay. If you like Conan. He's very, he's very Conan. I like watching Conan because he's got weird mannerisms. Yeah. I don't really like listening. I don't think he's actually that funny, but it's just my (laughs) opinion, you know what I'm saying? That's cool. Let's move on. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we have the movie to book adaptation. Yeah. So, we just watched Garth Jennings' film adaptation, or Tonks, as he's referred to. Yes, he's like a Harry Potter character. Basically. Tonks and Tonks. Would he be Slytherin, or would he be... No, he probably Uh, wouldn't be. He wouldn't be Ravenclaw. He, what's like the what's like the worst one? Hufflepuff. Yeah, he'd be Hufflepuff. Yeah. Show. Um, so we just watched Tongs of Hufflepuff's film adaptation of the book, screenplay scripted by original author Douglas Adams, and then alongside Carrie Kirkpatrick after his death mm-hmm. to finish it up. Um, Eric, where did Mister Jennings start with his adaptation? I I'm gonna say the voiceover. Like we just talked about this, the narration. So, yeah, the like adding it to the to the movie. I think really that was the first decision you have to make, and they clearly like got a well-known British person, Stephen Fry, to be this like narrator. I think if this is gonna sound like really preachy, but like if I had mm-hmm. done it, yeah, I think I would have tried to create like some sort of Greek chorus, like concept where you would like come in and out, and they would like start a act of the film or whatever it's like this is where we are now here's some funny stuff mm. and then like let's go back to the action okay like an interstitial ad yeah, that yeah, would yeah. be my idea for what to do with the narration yeah this they i don't know that they exactly do that they sort of have him introduce things that are said in the movie that we don't understand right at first mm-hmm. and he comes with like graphics that say Here's the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, and this is what it means, and it's like the best-selling yeah, book of all time because right. there's whatever in it. Right. Um, so it, clearly, to me, they were like, we need to get a guy to do this voiceover work. Let's get Stephen Fry. He's well known. He's got a good voice, and he just basically pops in and out. We talked about this yesterday, but like, he basically is only there for forty-five to fifty minutes of the movie, and then his voiceover kind of stops. Yeah, or I wouldn't even say that long. I think it was like thirty minutes or less, yeah. where he comes in. And he's like pretty prominent. And then you just don't hear from him for an hour, hour it's and a half. Weird. And then he comes in at the very end. Yeah. Because like, oh, shit, I forgot that this guy was even a thing. Yeah. And in the book, there there are chapters or like beginnings of chapters, too, that yeah. are basically just like like voiceover work mm-hmm. to a movie. But I don't... Th- those go like throughout the book and they definitely don't go throughout no. the movie. No. It totally stops. Yeah. What, so I was going to ask you this before. Uh, so like, what if you did something like The Big Short... They had, like, Margot Robbie come in and do, like, a thing. Yeah. And they had, like, random, like, a, oh, what's that famous chef? Anthony Bourdain. Anthony Bourdain came yeah. in. And did. You couldn't really do that with, like, famous people, but you could do something like that, right? Where random people pop in, like, maybe random characters of the universe. Yeah, if you wanted to, like, break the fourth wall. Yeah. I, 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 so I guess that's, like, the, the other end of voiceover work. You either voice over and it's just sort of, like, accepted that it's part of the movie. Mm-hmm. So, sort of. I say right. sort of. Yeah. Or you just have literally someone look at the camera and be like, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is XYZ. Right. So, I don't... I it's think more be, obvious, but it's... Yeah. You gotta kind of be funny with it and... Yeah. I, see, I don't think it's that difficult to understand what some of these things are. Like, mm-hmm. the names are weird, but, like, it's called the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I have a pretty good idea of, like, what it is. Right. It's like a travel book. Okay. Right. Yeah. Or there's these other things that... It's not really, like, that clever of a mm-hmm. book, I would say. Mm-hmm. In terms of the technology or whatever, the science fictionness of it, right? I would say it's not like hard sci-fi. It's not no. advanced or anything. It's really, it's not really based on any sort of science. I yeah. would say. the guide itself is kind of like a Kindle. If yeah, it's just sort of this like digital encyclopedia. encyclopedia. Yeah. yeah, I think it pops up with like uh, 
not really images, but uh, holograms and like. Yeah, so that's kind of the what the look they went for in the movie. Right. Yeah. So, I think they definitely started with voiceover. Um, I just don't. I it was fine. I like. I just was confused why it didn't. You it stopped. You could have even had like a, if there was actually a narrator for that actual book in the story, and then having them refer to it every once in a while, maybe. Yeah. Or if they were like, oh my god, what's we're on this Vogon planet. What's it called again? And they like. Yeah, if you just open keep the book to the... and the, the you know Stephen Fry like oh you're on Vogon City on Vogon whatever. Something. It's kind of like did you ever watch Pokemon? Uh, the show. Like yeah. The, uh, I think I may have seen some episodes. It's it's kind of like the Pokedex. Yes. It's like literally okay. they just like scan a creature and it's like this is Bulbasaur. He's yes. very friendly until he gets mad and then he right. attacks and it's like now Bulbasaur is mad. Right. What do you think he's gonna do? Because then that also makes the book a character. Yeah. Right. Not just like something that. Is around. It's not even part of this movie. Like right. Ford Prefect is is a travel writer basically, mm-hmm. but he's in the movie like not a travel writer at all. Yeah, he's just like he this weird guy that. Yeah, he's basically he basically his his purpose was to get Arthur Dent into space. Yeah, off of Earth. Yeah, we'll talk about him in a second. Yeah, we will. Um, so the second thing I want to bring up in this was the decision uh, that I alluded to before, like very clearly to make the Arthur Trillion. Zephrod love triangle mm-hmm. happen like that they that was a real thing in the in the movie yeah it wasn't really in the book like they Arthur and Trillian met on earth she's an earth woman mm-hmm. and they had like a one party and they sort the of counter. kind of hit it off yeah in the movie they like really hit it off right and the movie like made that a whole that was like the a plot kind of is like Basically, will they won't they yeah do they want to that might have been together? the underlying narrative in the in the movie sort of yeah because he he first mentions her in the bar that they're in he shows him a, he shows yeah. him a picture of it so that's like kind of the first almost one of the first things that's brought up but yeah that was a major plot point in the movie and was hardly it was almost like a uh i don't know wasn't really relevant at all in the book yeah. Something that was discussed and happened, but wasn't like, wasn't any sort of motivation. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, we'll get to the, I, I want to talk about this later too, mm-hmm. but like, I didn't like it. Like, which? The love triangle? I didn't, okay. I didn't like it. Yeah, I, yeah. It wasn't your classic, like, Star Wars love triangle. Oh man. Where it's like a little naughty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like they're, like they're siblings and they, <laughs> they know it, but they're like, they don't Let's want it. Let's just do it, it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, I would agree with you that it was not what I liked about the movie, yeah. and it felt very, it felt very forced—a forced narrative that, like, you know, these people met one time, and he's like yeah. still complaining about it. You know what I mean? Like, she—he didn't even know her name. Yeah, Trisha McMillian. I knew her name. He, yeah, you knew her name. He had no idea. Um, and then one of the other things that they added. That I think you talked about when we were in the other section was the like giving Arthur something to change, like a, a change that happens to his character. Mm-hmm. And in the movie, it's a like adventurous spirit. I don't know what you yeah. call it, but like yes. when he meets Zoe Deschanel, who's Trillian, she's like, "Oh my god, I want to get out of here." And he's like, "Oh, where do you want to go?" And she's like, "Madagascar." And he's, he's like, like, "Oh, the new club down the street." Yeah. <laughs> It's like know the country. Um, and yeah, so she is like a I guess a free spirit who was just down to travel and he's like, No, I can't go to Madagascar. Which is really like really rational. Very rational. Who is this girl? And they're meeting at a party, it's like midnight. I'm right. not going to Madagascar. First night you meet somebody, you're like, Let's go to Madagascar right now. And we're in London. Yeah. FYR England. Yeah. I don't I don't have no problem with him saying no. I I didn't it didn't ring my bell like oh this guy he doesn't like to do anything <laughs> right yeah what a grump right but like in the movie it's like oh he's grumpy and then at the end he's like yeah I'm down to travel the galaxy with you so yeah no shit it's the fucking galaxy <laughs> what are we is, doing he also doesn't have any choice well he could have stayed on Earth the Earth two oh that's true I guess right? yeah it's like what what does Earth have that it doesn't need oh me. It's like yeah, if you if you were an Earthling and you realized that there was a whole galaxy, yeah, you fuck would. Earth, fuck Earth, yeah. Sorry Absolutely. for all the cursing. We're earning our explicit rating. This, I was yeah, like, hell yeah. I mean, who cares? Yeah. I was like, absolutely. That's not. But that wasn't in play. I never for... thought you were unadventurous, right? And now I don't think you're like especially adventurous, right? Exactly. You're just being 
rational. To right. me, you're just like rational. You're just like. So, the, so do you think the moral of this, for Douglas, or I guess the Garth Jennings version, is to be more adventurous? I think so, and to not panic. Yeah, also, yeah, don't panic. Although that was not really a big part of the book or the movie. It just like is a. a it's a thing that was there. But yeah. they didn't really, like, say it. So it's, like, on the cover of the book, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, is don't panic. Yeah. It wasn't, like, a catchphrase what that are we constantly about? used I'm in the confused. film. Yeah. The well, towel thing. We talked about towel day. That yeah. In the book, it spells out the importance of the towel. In the movie, no such. He's just carrying it. And he's like, always bring your towel. And it's not explained why. Yeah. There was a lot of that. Never. He There's, like, four moments where he's, like, holding the towel. Yeah. And I feel like the people that... Like the book, love the book, watching the movie are like, fuck yeah. Fuck the, yeah, the fucking towel, baby, let's go. Yeah. But the people who've never read it or don't know anything about it are like, why the fuck is this guy holding a towel? Um, when did Towel Day happen? Like, when did that, when was that a thing? I think it was 2001. Like, so why was this right movie not released on Towel Day? Can you, Question. can you riddle me that? Maybe it wasn't a Friday. Towel Day weekend, though? Yeah. Big weekend. I guess that that is like Memorial Day weekend, so maybe that's not the best time. I could, we should actually look that up on Box Office Mojo and see like which films came out. Maybe it was like a big like, big O five, big O five like, uh, release date for some of those. And and maybe the Hitchhikers was like we can't compete with Russell Crowe or yeah. whoever it was in yeah. O five. <laughs> That's fair. Um, so those three, and then one one of the things I think they did here was they leveraged the the earth's destruction to further the story. Mm -hmm. That's not really a, it's, I mean, they destroy the earth in the book, but here more so they blow up the earth and Trillian's reaction to that sort of drives her character. Mm -hmm. Like once it's revealed that Zaphrod, Zaphod. However the fuck you say, I thought it was Zaphod, but it must be Zaphod. Zaphod. I think that's what they call him in the movie. Zaphod. Yeah. Um, when it's revealed that he does it, it like totally turns her against Turns her against him romantically, mm. but not, like, alliance-wise. Right, she was still a part of the group with yeah. him and everything. Oh, you destroyed my home. I'm just not going to date you. Right. But, like, it we're cool. <laughs> I think it makes her more rational. It's like, why the fuck am I with this, like, two-headed guy with three arms? Oh, it's just because he has a big spaceship. Yeah. And because he's Sam Rockwell. And Sam Rockwell is, I think, the best part of this movie. For sure. Hands down. Him yeah. and uh, John Malkovich, even though it was brief was pretty good yeah so those are my four big those are my four big like jump out to things mm-hmm. that they've changed to make this movie a movie yeah so it was a pretty loose reimagining of the script they were they actually go to Vogon right that's not a part of the book yeah right it's loose like my pants before stay at home now they're now they're tight, now they're tight. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it was pretty loose I mean they added, I mean, they, they added, they made it a movie, they made it like a, uh, a recovery movie, that's not the right word, like a, uh, we gotta go find Trillian, she got captured, we need to bust her out. Yeah. Right? So it's a like rescue. A, a rescue movie, and then it became a, um, what do you call these things? And then it became a MacGuffin movie, where they needed to find that gun. Oh, yeah. And so they went to a different planet to find the gun. And so it just became, like, very, like, cliche. Yeah. Well, so this is a thing I think we talked about uh, when we were watching. It's like, are these elements that were not in the original book, are they from the sequels? I don't know. Maybe. Because this whole thing was from Douglas Adams' screenplay, all from his mind. Yeah, but we don't know. We don't know if he turned in, like, the book as a screenplay and the new writer pulled from... Other books, maybe. Other books. Yeah. Which is possible. Yeah. To me, like, the John Malkovich stuff, like, seemed creative enough to be from him. Right. But the, like, let's bust her out of prison. Right. Felt like, okay, this is just screenwriting. Yeah. This is just, like, a Hollywood person. Right. It, yeah, it, it's, it just felt very disjointed, and there was a lot of things that just were not explained or delved into deeper. Like, remember the part where, I think they're on Vogon, and Mos Def is talking to this, like, pros- enormous prostitute oh, creature? Yeah. Like, hey, sorry I haven't called you back, like, blah, blah, blah. Like, that's, like, kind of funny, 
So it's like you don't really need that in there. I mean, he could have just been with them. It's a weird. It's just a like a weird addition. I di- I didn't find this movie all that funny. Yeah, I'm gonna say it. That's my hot take. Fuck. God damn it. Did you do you agree or no? No, I do agree actually. Cause like there there were moments I thought were funny, but there were moments where I found myself I was like forcing laughter. It's like this is supposed to be funny. I know. Yeah. But it's not really that funny. So. I don't know why that is. Like a lot of it was just pulled directly from the book. Maybe it's just like the actors didn't make it happen or I don't know. I think, I just think there wasn't enough explanation. Like, yeah, you're kind of just thrown into this world and you know, it has this like British, very British humor where it's like very satirical. And it's like inside stuff. jokes. Yeah. It's like you read this book, haha towels. Right. Like what? Yeah. I don't know. And even I read it and I was just like, why is, why is this not explained further? Yeah. Like even like some things I forgot about the book. They just weren't explained. Yeah. But yeah. Um, so what actually worked? Not the humor. <laughs> um, I would. Did yeah, the acting work? I don't even know. Maybe. I, I liked Martin Freeman. Okay. I liked Sam Rockwell. Martin Freeman plays Arthur Dent. Sam Rockwell plays Zaphrod, the galactic president. Mm-hmm. I thought... Uh, Martin Freeman was a perfect Arthur Dent. Mm. He's very much like, oh, yeah. I'm being taken, and uh, I'm very confused. Yeah. What's this? What's that? I right. know. It's like it's truly like just classic Martin Freeman. Yeah. I feel like mm-hmm. he's like the sidekick or the kind of like the clueless guy. Yeah. He, he does that really well. Yeah. Um, Sam Rockwell is like totally oh unhinged and wacky and goofy and just like weird and yeah. I said he was he reminded me of like a crazy McConaughey, and then you said like a crazy Tom Cruise, and it was like a mix yeah. of both of those people. But with like George Bush's accent. Yeah. Yeah. It was wild, and he, I thought he did a really good job. He was yeah. really funny. He was, yeah, he was very funny. I definitely, I, I like to think that in the movie Vice, Sam Rockwell plays George W. Bush. I like to think, what's his face, the director, Adam McKay? Yeah. It's like, can you do George W. Bush? And he's like, go watch Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. <laughs> And tell, tell me, me I can't be George W. Bush. Because <laughs> that's, that's, ex- that's exactly what he's doing. Yeah. Same same accent. Yeah. Same whatever mannerisms. Yeah. He was great. Who wasn't great? Zoe, Zoe Deschanel, I think, was miscast. She's a new girl, man. I think she was miscast. Um, she's just not wonderlust or wanderlust, whatever, you, whatever the word is. Yeah. I don't... Like, I don't think that Zoe Deschanel has ever... Impulse bought like thirty dollars worth of clothes at Nordstrom online. I just don't think she's done that. Like she doesn't yeah. strike me as the type. And she now she like, wants to go to Madagascar. Type A kind of. Yeah, I just I just didn't believe it. And maybe I just had too much baggage with like future Zoe Deschanel versus yeah. this day, Zoe Deschanel because this is 05. This is right after Elf, I think. Must have been. And even in Elf, she's not like wild, right? Right. No, she's just kind of like a not really ditzy, but like yeah. I don't know. Like a normal, normal girl. Yeah. So I, just, I just think she's miscast. Uh, I didn't like Moe's Def. Yeah. I actually kind of liked him, but he, he does, he's not very good at acting. <laughs> or he wasn't in this. Yeah. I don't, I don't understand it though. I think his like look and his like, the way he walks and like his mannerisms are sort of fit alien. the role. Like he's yeah. weird. He's like weird looking. He's like a weird guy. Yeah. But his, yeah, his acting. He's very quiet. I, I didn't, I don't know what I saw in that character, but I didn't see quiet, like, reserved, weird mm. in Ford Prefect, because it's almost an extension of Arthur Dent, who's sort of quiet and, like, mm. doesn't know what's going on. Yeah. And, like, you can't really have... He's not a straight man, most deaf, but he is... He's just not, like, in it. He also didn't do anything for the rest of the movie. After no. he, like, put his, put his thumb up, got yeah. his ring out, and hitchhiked onto the ship, he didn't really do much. But he's a charismatic guy. Like, I, don't, sure. I just don't understand. He's one of the better rappers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's considered one, right. like, one of the best, too. Yeah. And I feel like that's charisma. It's just, you're just like... You gotta be. Confident. Yeah. Yeah, this he, character was he, not confident, for sure. Are you, you're like benching the guy that gave us Miss New Booty. Listen <laughs> to that song and tell me that guy doesn't have charisma. He didn't Then make, watch this movie. He didn't make Miss New Booty. Did he? He did. Are you sure? Mrs. Fat Booty. <laughs> Sorry, Mrs. Babu. That sounds more accurate. Yes. Yeah. Well, he. So, for people who don't know, Mostaf is <laughs> is a rapper from I think it's Brooklyn. Yeah. He's a classic, classic MC, like classic '90s hip hop guy. Yeah. Who got into acting, I guess, and other things. 
but... But he was active rapping while this movie was coming out. Yeah, for sure. Like, he was, like, late 90s and then... Like, early mid-2000s. Mid yeah. yeah. He was never, like, super commercially commercially famous or successful, but he was always, like, considered one of the better MCs, I guess, in the game. Um, He's just totally benched. It's like, it's like what you said in the Solaris episode, um, how George Clooney didn't bring his A-game. Yeah. His A-game George Clooney, like, flirting... It was very like C plus B minus George Clooney. Yeah, flirting. Like you needed to have George Clooney like flirt in a movie, right? Yeah. It's like you need to have Mustaf be confident and like charismatic in the movie, and he just wasn't. Yeah, like whether that's a character choice or a directing choice, I don't know. I didn't. It didn't make. I didn't like it. Yeah, it wasn't for me. It wasn't my choice. Fair enough. So that's that. <laughs> um, I didn't. I also didn't think the love story worked. I I really don't. I just didn't believe that Sam Rockwell is, like, pulling people. He's a president of the galaxy, man. And he has a spaceship. I know, but I just didn't believe him. He's like, you're too weird. You're just, like, so (laughs) wacky. You've got this, like, head that pops out of your neck. Yeah, that was weird. Screams, things that would get you canceled in 2020. For sure. I I, I don't know. The, the, The love triangle, the characters in it, I didn't think really made sense together. I think the idea of it is good. I think the idea of having a love story there is something to delve into. I just think you're right. I don't think it like really was pulled off very well. Yeah. I like, Zoe Deschanel was like kind of like crazy. Let's go to Madagascar and now I'm on the spaceship and oh, or, like oh Arthur, like how are you? Like, that's we a really, met once at a party. That's a really good Zoe Deschanel. <laughs> Thank you. I, I'm serious. I, I've been working on it. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. It just didn't. It. In such a weird universe, in such a weird story, it doesn't make sense to have, like, a traditional love story. Or maybe it does make sense, but it just wasn't... It didn't fit. All the pieces didn't fit together. Well. This is, like, the Solaris thing. Like, they made they made the love story an important part of the movie, mm-hmm. where it's not really in the book. Yeah. Same thing here. So would you have gotten rid of the love story in general? Or would you have, like, tweaked it a bit? I think it was fine. I think it was, like... In the book, it's sort of like haha funny, like oh my god, we met at a party and now you're on the spaceship, so I, yeah. I'm like here now. Right. It sort of, I guess, grounds him with like the craziness of you know being picked up by yeah a ship. Right. And then like Ford Prefect is like the third cousin of the president of the galaxy. Yeah. Like what? It's like oh, we have connections with both these people. We're a crew now. It's fine. Yeah. It was. It was nothing more than like a passing relationship. Yeah. Like seatbelt like okay we're all in this together now right we all know each other right and the movie's like no 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 you guys really loved each other you she wanted to go to Madagascar, but you're gonna take her to the restaurant at the end of the world yeah i thought they were gonna say Madagascar at the end of the movie yeah it's so much better yeah we're going to the, i know a restaurant in the universe set up for a sequel that never happened never happened um last thing i want to talk about though is i don't the movie doesn't really fix the like central narrative thing I brought up before. Yeah. We, uh, as far as I can tell, the one person with a clear motivation is Sam Rockwell. Yes. He wants to go to Magrathea to see the supercomputer and, like, figure out... What the meaning to life is, essentially. Yeah. yeah. He wants to figure out the question, I guess, much like the mice. Yeah, I'm not sure if he knew... If he knew if the... Um, if, he, if he already knew the answer... Well, the computer, if the computer was given basically like this question and it gave out a numerical answer, which was 42, yeah. and then the people were like, we're not satisfied with that answer, what is, you know, you know, what is the question that we should be asking? Yeah. And then we're like, okay, we'll create a better computer and it'll be, it's Earth. But it's, that's cut off. Like, that's, that's a reveal in the movie, right? Correct. They like watch a video and it says, we're going to create a computer called, yes. <laughs> and it cuts out. And I don't, and I'm not sure if Zap. Zephod's character in the book knew if there was a question beforehand. I'm, I'm not sure how much he knew about it. Yeah. I don't really remember. So but yeah, so he has a motivation, though, to figure out whatever this thing is. Yeah, but to me, that's not the central motivation. No, it's, it's good, like, what's the question? No, the, the, the question should be, why do people, why is that being withheld? Yeah. Right. Like to me, that sh- that should be the driver. Why, wait. So why is what being withheld? The qu- the question. So like we're we well, made the computer, this computer is... and the Rogans blew it up. Yeah. Five. Why did they five minutes up? before or whatever? It was... Yeah. It's like what do you do? You know the answer or like 
why did you do that? Yeah. Why, well, I, why I can't it, we know the answer? Or why can't we know the question? I took it very literally in, in that nobody actually knew. Nobody actually knew what the question was, but they made this computer to actually, like, formulate it and calculate it. Yeah. But then it would have just been, like, it would have just had this question, and then they'd be like, all right, what's the answer? Well, I'll make you another computer, right? Even po- more powerful computer. Yeah. I don't know. It's it, it's just a very confusing and disjointed... Effort. Yeah. And overall, like, it, it's a very weird book. It's very funny, but there's a lot of things that, like, don't really make sense. Yeah. Not really sure. But I, I enjoyed reading it. I did, too. And I, I would read others in this series. And I... I'm confused why they didn't set up the movie for, like, a series of movies. Well, they kind of did, with because the next one is actually called yeah. The Center, or The Restaurant at the End of the Universe, right? So but it, kind it of made money, and they never made another movie. So I found a quote from the director, or some, I think it was maybe a producer, that said, like, it was did it, well, but was it was a hammer, or was it tongs? It was tongs, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I think he said it, it did well, but it didn't, didn't do well enough. Because I think they made okay. 100, about 100 million, and it was a, bit, a budget of, um... 50 million so i mean they doubled their profits but i guess i don't know maybe they wanted more yeah not really sure but i guess i'll let you get going but because i want to ask you like do would you prefer this to be a tv series now or would you would you want this to be like a series like a series of movies if you had your choice well i like a movie you know but i do think that this book is kind of light like, it, it's 216 pages, like, soaking wet. It's really not that big of a book. It's really not that idea-heavy. Like, I'm, I was telling you before, I was looking at this NPR list of the best sci-fi and fantasy books of all time, mm-hmm. and Hitchhiker's Guide to Galaxy is number two. Wild. Which surprises me because it's not, like, an issues book. It's not a heady book. It's just sort of like a fun, funny novel that's 200 pages. I think it's it's rated that highly is because it was it was perennial because all science fiction books back then were very like technical and hard hard, sci-fi hard sci-fi but also i mean it's clearly stood the test of time but also it's so unique like there just aren't even now like there just aren't comedic sci-fi books yeah like if you think of a comedic sci-fi book you would think of this immediately um and clearly, like, it's it's very well imagined. Like, there's a lot of crazy characters, a lot of, like, wild stuff going on. It's, it, it is its own universe, literally. So I think that's probably why people rate it so highly. But I think number two is... Not that I'm a sci-fi expert or anything, but I think number two is probably a little high for most people, I would imagine. Yeah. But... You feel like you want something to dig into. Like, to me, yeah. you read a sci-fi book and you want to be, like, under, you want to have a better understanding of the world mm-hmm. and it's sort of like oh my god solaris like it's sort of like mirroring what the earth is just in a far away like allegorical metaphorical yes way. yes this book doesn't kind of does that i guess but it's not it doesn't that, really care about its ideas that book has meaning this book doesn't really have meaning or yeah. significance in that respect yeah so yeah i agree with you like if you were if you're reading a book maybe it's just Maybe it's just, like, personal preference, what you want out of a book. Do I just want to read something light and funny and, like, clever? Then read, then read The Rich Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah. Or do you want something more meaningful to actually, like, whatever, make you think a little bit? Yeah. Read Solaris or something else? Yeah. I could see this as a TV show, but it would be... I think it would be better as a TV show today. Like For sure. In the today's, like, 13 episodes yeah. or season environment. I do think these characters would probably annoy you. After a while. Yeah. Be like a little sitcom-y. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Because they would, they would always do the same thing over and over again, say the same thing. Yeah. Maybe it would, maybe what if it was a sitcom? It would be like that upcoming Space Force show. Steve yes. Ford. Interesting. Much to think about. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm worried that the, the humor is too specific and too, like, much, I yeah. guess. Sort of like Parks and Rec, but like turn up to fifteen. Yeah. But there, so there is a Hulu series. I did. We didn't watch it, but it's out there for people if they're interested. <laughs> we gotta give me your Hulu account, and then I'll watch it. Yeah, there you go. All right. So before we move on to final thoughts, is there anything you wanted to discuss? Just 
I wanted to ask you who you thought won the movie and who lost. But if you want, there's anything else. No, my only other thought was just that, like, I can't imagine somebody watching this movie who hadn't first read the book. I would, I would think it's like totally inaccessible to you. Yeah. So if you've done that and didn't read the book and you understood anything, kudos to you. <laughs> Seriously. You. Your Mensa score is probably very high. Yeah. Probably in Mensa. Um, my winner is Sam Rockwell's George W. Bush impersonation. Oh, hold on. My winner is also, not his George Bush impersonation, but just Sam Rockwell in general. In general. Just the actor. Yeah. Because he did great. I'm sure his... He, his, his funny, like, he does a lot of these, like, quirky roles. Yeah. Like, I, did, I had no idea he was in this until we started watching, or maybe, like, right before. I was like, fuck, he's like... I mean, he did the... He won the Academy Award for the that, like, racist guy. Three billboards. Totally crazy guy. This guy's also, like, probably even more crazy. Yeah. He's... He's... he's Unhinged. He's in Seven Psychopaths. He's a crazy guy. Yep. Uh, I was thinking of Moon, but he's... Moon is, like, he actually goes crazy. Yeah. Like, actually mentally insane. Yeah. That's a good movie. Yeah, that is good. I wonder if that's a book. Ooh. It's not, okay. It's not a book. Um, yeah, but anyways. Anyways, so who's a loser? My loser is somebody that we didn't talk about all episode. We talked about him once, I guess. Naturally. Uh, Marvin, the depressed robot. Oh, man. But he he already knew he was the loser. Yeah. You know, he's just wallowing <laughs> in his own sadness over there. I forgot about that. Voiced by Alan Rickman. Really good. It was really well done in the movie. That was one of the better better aspects of the movie. I yeah. I totally forgot. Yeah, I can't believe we didn't talk about that. Yeah. That was, was so funny. I, without him, that movie is unwatchable, yeah. I think. With him... What's the point? Yeah. What's the point? Great, great voice. Yeah. Great great quotes. Yeah. So who's your loser? Hmm. Uh, John Malkovich. Because he only got like five minutes of screen time. I guess, no, I would say the audience because we only got five, <laughs> five minutes of John Malkovich's screen time. And we had to just watch this movie. Down. There's this look that he gives... When he's introduced, he's at the uh, he's at the altar. It's like a he's like a yeah. pastor, and Zafad people people Drax or whatever comes in. It's a very like quiet like and he just like storms in right, and he gives him this like disgusted look. If you haven't seen the movie, at least just watch this scene. It's like one of the best disgusted looks I've ever seen in film. Like yeah. it's just like oh, this guy. It it reminded me that John Malkovich at some point was like. A guy, he was like a good actor, oh, yeah. considered a good actor, and just like was throwing heat for a while. He was an he was the actor's actor, yeah. if not still. And now he's probably a bit like taken for granted or like made fun of. Yeah, maybe just like kind of a weird guy. I don't know. What is I don't even know what he's been in recently. He was in those red reds movie. Oh, red yeah, one, red two. Tough. I remember him from Rounders, where he yeah. does the crazy Russian KGB voice. Yeah. That's a great one. Yeah. I don't really like his accent. I think it's a little overdone, but great. He was still great in that. Yeah. So yeah, he was my my loser was the loser. audience. Okay. Um. So final thoughts. My winner is also me for rediscovering the music of Most Def. Oh, there you go. I listened to a couple of albums today. Did you? Yeah. Okay. Also good for Most Def because he's getting streams on Spotify. Yeah. There you go. I knew the title of that song, and then I just totally whiffed on Miss, it. But <laughs> Miss New Booty. I, I think that's like Timbaland or like... Miss Fat Booty. That's oh, his yeah, song. That's yeah. his song. Yeah, yeah. I think Miss New Booty is Timbaland or like... I can like hear it in my... And it's like, that's definitely not a most deaf. Yeah. He also has a song called Mathematics, which I quite like. That's a great song. Yeah. Those are the only two that I knew going into today. And now I know more, but I couldn't tell you their names. If you haven't already, check out Most Deaf. Yeah. He's great. So, final thoughts. Do you have a favorite quote from the book of the movies? It's okay if you don't, because I don't. No. Don't panic. Yeah, but the, 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 they don't do anything with that. Yeah. This is part of it. I I will I will end with this thought. I had a HR director who was also a writer for my company, and I would have her write things for me from time to time, mm -hmm. and she was not good with deadlines, and she always quoted Douglas Adams when she was going to turn in something late. And she said, quoting Douglas Adams, I love deadlines. I love the sound they make as they whoosh on by. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. So that's what I would take from this movie. Wow. Unrelated to this movie entirely, but Douglas Adams. That woman must be a joy to work with. Great employee, actually. Really? She quit and moved to 
Arizona. Well, good for her. Yeah. I don't have any thoughts. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do want to ask you, are there any, like, moments that will stick out to you? No. <laughs> so I will say... This movie is from, like, left brain to right brain, then, like, out the back. Yeah. It's just it's getting it's flushed. Brain. It's getting flushed. It's ADHD in a movie. But I actually really enjoyed the scene. I think we both did. Earth, Earth was just, Earth was destroyed. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's yeah. Cool. With like where they scale up like images along. It's like a zoom out to the Earth from the Earth to the. You know, but like it's like space. a station to station zoom out. Yeah. So go, like the music was really good, and then like the visual effects of it actually like disappearing. I guess. Yeah. Really cool. I like the introduction song. The like thanks for all the fish. Yeah, with the dolphins. That was sort of how the movie peaked within the first fifteen minutes. <laughs> that you're seeing the song. Downhill from there. Yeah. It's an important and popular fact that things are not always what they seem. For instance, on the planet Earth, man had always assumed that he was the most intelligent species occupying the planet instead of the third most intelligent. The second most intelligent creatures were, of course, dolphins, who, curiously enough, had long known of the impending destruction of the planet Earth. They had made many attempts to alert mankind to the danger, but most of their communications were misinterpreted as amusing attempts to punch footballs or whistle for tidbits. So they eventually decided they would leave Earth by their own means. The last ever dolphin message was misinterpreted as a surprisingly sophisticated attempt to do a double backward somersault through a hoop while whistling the star-spangled banner. But in fact, the message was this. So long, and thanks for all the fish. All right, so final picks here, Will. Um, book or movie for you? Book, 100%. The, this is one of the better books I think we've read. At least one of the more enjoyable ones. Ones it was breezy to get through wasn't like frustrating to read yeah. i really like have this thing where if i read a book and it's like hard for me to get through i just really dislike the book later on like i'll just like we'll throw it away not throw it away literally but like, oh, dude. <laughs> put, it, recycle put, it, it? put it all the way up on my bookshelf so i can never look at it again you should give it to like the little libraries so i should actually yeah. yeah just get fucking rid of it have yeah. it let it be somebody else's torture but no i like the book better than the movie i thought the movie was like we said a little disjointed but yeah what about you same same as um book i would i would read more uh hitchhikers like the extended universe i would mm. read those uh, yeah i don't next but i would read them really yeah. i don't think i would i just the characters were funny i just like wasn't that invested yeah it was funny it was a great read but i wouldn't read like another three four hundred pages of it i guess you had to see how big the next book is because if it's just like 200 pages like this yeah this was nothing i yeah. mean to read this book is like it's like nothing yeah it was very easy yeah so we'll see maybe, maybe. i'll look at the page count but probably not yeah that's smart <laughs> i can only read so many books so so choose wisely yeah exactly so eric where can you find us the social medias social medias we are on twitter we are on instagram at lit to lens both um we are on WordPress, mm-hmm. littleendsblog.wordpress.com, I believe. Yep. Um, and then, where else? You can, you can subscribe and rate us on iTunes and Spotify and SoundCloud. SoundCloud as we well. We appreciate your listening, commenting, feedback. It all helps. Yeah, I mean, if you have any suggestions for like what we should read next, maybe what we should talk about uh, as opposed or in reference to adaptations, please you know, tweet at us, send us a DM. You can whatever. email us, littlelands at gmail.com. Email us, whatever your preference of choice. Yeah. So find us on those. And Eric, what is coming up next? So our next season, well, I'm getting ahead of myself, actually. So episode four, we have something special. We have someone or some ones who are in and around the science fiction publishing world. Mm-hmm. Um, they're writers, they're readers, they're educators. Probably... Uh, you know, sons, maybe daughters. Maybe fathers, maybe... Lovers. <laughs> so look out for something soon. We, we have some cool interviews, or interview. Not sure which one. Um, so check out for... So stay tuned for that. Check out mm-hmm. our social platforms. And then we are... We're ready to announce season six. Dun, dun, dun. 
because everyone is, is under stay at home, um, access to movies is, you can't really go to the theater mm-hmm. today. So we are, we're having a stay at home season. We're having a Netflix and chill, you know, mm-hmm. pop a bottle and, uh, sip on something cold, something warm, whatever your, whatever flows for Yep. And, uh, fire up Netflix. And read the book first. And read the book first. Yes. Or after, you can read it after. Yeah. So there's a lot of movies on Netflix. Most people have Netflix as opposed to like Amazon or yeah. HBO. So in an effort to have people watch what we're throwing out there, yeah. we thought this would be easy. There's a bunch of movies that are new and also not new that have like that are adapted from from novels. Yeah. The list you sent out the other day to me was was long. I wasn't expecting to see that many. And there's a lot of really, really good good movies on there yeah so you the listener if you're listening to this and god bless you for getting this far if you have something on netflix that you know is adapted send it our way yeah we're we haven't decided on anything yet nope no decisions have been made well we are netflixing and we are chilling we'll be drinking and we're always drinking yeah always but will you have you have something to say before we go about of course uh, this this uncertain time that we're in yeah so on a serious a serious note relatively serious note um so you know, we want to support the local businesses around us, um, and that meet, that includes bookshops. We all know Amazon and its and its power and its stranglehold over the entire U.S. Uh, commerce economy. We want to make sure that these book sh- bookstores, you know, the local bookstores. You know, in D.C. we have Politics and Prose, and there's one one page books or one more page books. Something one like more that. page. One more page books. That's in that's in Arlington. Arlington. Kramer books. Kramer books in D.C. D.C. Yeah. Um, you know, wherever you, wherever you live, I'm sure they have a local bookshop or, or multiple that, you know, clearly they're struggling and we just want to, you know, send the note out, you know, maybe if there's a book that you've been wanting to get for a long time, just haven't pulled the trigger yet, you know, pull the trigger now. Now is like a time more than ever that these businesses need your help or else, you know, if we don't do this, you know, Amazon is just going to take over and they're going to basically rule the world. So we but we like Netflix, you know what I'm saying? We, we, yeah, we, we're a Netflix family, so. Um, so please go ahead and do that. Support your local uh, books, bookshops as well as local businesses um, so they can stay afloat in these crazy, uncertain quarantine times. Yeah, or, or I mean, if, if you don't have the means, check out the library. A lot of libraries allow you to check out books electronically. So that's yeah. always an option, and, and libraries obviously can use your use of them. That, yeah shows that they have value still so mm-hmm. yeah hopefully they can still get funding from you know their local governments and stuff yeah. instead of um the alternative but definitely um shop small think small be small exactly well not always right. yeah. you like to be big sometimes <laughs> so before we <laughs> before we sign off uh there's one person we'd like to shout out um i think you all know his name eric would you like to do the honors shia labeouf even Stevens, three seasons are streaming on Disney Plus. Please go check them out. <laughs> Have you started yet? No, I actually I think about starting this weekend. Yeah, yeah. I should do that too. You should give me your Disney Plus account. Yeah, trade it for Hulu. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right, let's do a deal. All right. Let's bump out. You heard it first. Visually. Yeah. Visually. Or, uh, virtually. Pop. <laughs> All right. Well, All right. You wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. Um, Shout out Shia LaBeouf. We miss you. We love you. Um, Come on the pod. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. Come on the pod.